I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hi everybody, I'm here today with ACT's newest member and she is Emma Gibson who is the new Head of Safeguarding Adults in Sport. Hello Emma. Hi Nicola, how are you? Anyway, rather than me tell the listeners all about yourself, can you please tell us what what's your full name, where have you come from, why you're here? Yeah, sure. Um, so my title now is um, Head of Safeguarding Adults in Sport. So in theory, well, I'm joining the Sport Managers team, which obviously, Nicola, you've been a part of for a really long time. And I joined um, in the middle of May. And I'm just really pleased to actually be joining the Ancraft Trust sports team. As you know, I've got a relationship with you guys that goes back a long way. And it's really positive to actually join now and bring some of my national governing body experience to the Ancraft sports team. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Emma. Um, So for people who don't know where you've been, what was your job before here? Well, I've spent the last 10 years as the safeguarding lead for badminton England. Um, and that's the job that I've kind of spent the most amount of time in. And prior to that, I've done various things from working in my early years. I was a sports development officer at local authority level. I've worked for the English Federation of Disability Sport, who are now called the Activity Alliance. And I've worked for a couple of other national governing bodies, largely in safeguarding or EDI roles. So I've worked for netball and squash as well. And then I've also always volunteered quite a lot within cricket. I'm a mm-hmm. keen club cricketer myself. So I've always had a you know big interest in voluntary sport and obviously worked in sport a long time. Great. I think you are bringing a wealth of knowledge of sport and from clubs right the way through to the national governing bodies, how they actually function. Um, but why did you want to work in safeguarding adults? Yeah, it's a good question, really. I mean, a number of years ago, and we're going back quite a while now, I was a UK coaching tutor for safeguarding protecting children. And that's something that I've always been passionate about. And I've always seen the links to us being responsible for younger people, you know, for under 18s, and actually for people that don't have so much of a voice. And I think because I have a younger brother who has Down syndrome, it's something that I've always grown up with in terms of wanting him to have the same level of opportunities I've had. And I'm particularly talking probably about sport that I've played at community level and always wanted to support him in having a voice and getting involved in things. Um, And as you know, Nicola, sort of when we're going back 10 or 12 years now, we actually had a conversation around safeguarding adults. Um, The sport agenda around safeguarding adults was just not there. So the safeguarding children agenda was relatively new. But I always felt that we weren't actually listening to adults. We were calling vulnerable adults at the time. And I suppose if I'm perfectly honest, when I started thinking about that as an agenda, I was thinking probably around disability and probably around learning disability and around mental health. And then what I've learned through all my years of working in different national governing bodies is that actually we're talking, as we now recognise in Ancraft Trust, a much broader definition of adults. And actually, for me, it's about the respect of all adults, of all of us looking out for each other in sport and actually putting in the policy and procedures to address that. Yeah, I think we've moved away, haven't we, from the idea of who needs to be helped. And it was very, it was 
the idea of vulnerable adults, we could almost name who we would put on a list of vulnerable adults. Um, and actually, adults themselves have said we don't like that. And in social care, they've definitely moved away from the concept of vulnerable adults. And I think sport has, hasn't it? It's actually been driven by sport saying, well, actually, any one of us might be in a situation where um, we might need some safeguarding. Um, so I think that shift from vulnerable adults into safeguarding adults has been a really positive one um, in sport. Yeah, so you're part of this group, weren't you? Got together 10, 12 years ago, and then um, the Care Act came in, didn't it? And you helped act to get some more money through um, a post. Yeah, I mean, I suppose my actual role in bringing the money in in the end, I, I was involved in early bids when we were we were trying to get interest, I suppose, across. And we tried things like uh, or various areas like Department of Health and various other agencies. And then I think it was probably through the British Athletes Commission that we actually did manage to get the ear of some important people who, um, including obviously Sport England, who felt that actually, yes, this was something that we could progress and that we could get some resources for. I mean, I do find it staggering, and I've said this to you, Nicola, and other members of the team, how quickly um, we've grown, really, from from you coming in post, I think, what, seven years ago, six, seven mm -hmm. years ago? And now I look at the size of the team and look at, you know, I think the requests for information that come from all sorts of different agencies, as you're well aware, and it's not just sport, it's the unregulated sector as well and the different interest groups. And I think it's really it's not a subject that's going to go away, is it? So what when you got the job, what were you thinking? Where do you want the team to go? Or have you got any ideas about areas we should be looking at? Yeah, I think what I've what I've learned just in the in the few short weeks that I've been with Ancraft Trust is there's people on the, on that team with a varying range of skills and a lot of a lot of professional background expertise in in social work and social care my safeguarding has been learned on the job you know it's been learned through sport and obviously through a bit of tutoring background as well um and what i really like about the team is that we've got all this blend of skills and blend of knowledge that we can actually bring together that's going to make us stronger and i really like the fact that obviously you're focusing on the active partnerships we've got a focus on national governing bodies and i think you know i think it's fair to say we're, we're still learning aren't we we're still pooling our resources and our knowledge but i think we're also being honest about what we do know, um, where we can improve, what we can learn from other sports. And I think obviously, you know, the white review coming out now, we're looking at that and actually thinking, okay, how can, where are we going as an organisation? How can we address that? How can we support sport at all levels to actually address some of those issues? I'm also, you know, sure that we're actually doing a lot of that work anyway you know there's certain areas that we're already working that we've already identified through through other sport reviews but there's much more to be done isn't there as you know the um act and cpsu conference for 2022 was about learning lessons so it's about learning lessons but it's also what we're going to do about it as well so um have you got any thoughts on um the next few years ahead then emma what sort of areas we're going to be looking at well, we um, obviously we have the framework that we're looking at. So the Safeguarding Adults Framework, which is relatively new, mm -hmm. that we want all sports organisations to work towards, work through. 
we need to be clear about what that actually is because it's not like the child protection standards. So we're actually placing the framework as an action planning tool for organisations to work through. And what we want is organisations to work with us to look at their policies and procedures and to look at those areas that have been identified in support reviews and to action plan with us so that they can make their organisation stronger. I mean, I think what we what we can do, we can offer policies, procedures, advice, guidance, training, and we do all of that. But ultimately, the organisations have to be responsible themselves for their own safeguarding. Um, and they can do that with the, with the skills, knowledge and tools that we give them. But we also have to find some way, and I'm not sure what the magic answer is here, but that they feel responsible for it as well. Um, I mean, you and I have talked already uh, about culture, which is a word that gets bandied around all the time. Um, we know that there's people apply different meanings to the word culture. We also know we've got a very strong culture campaign within the Ancroft Trust that we're now into our second year. So there's we've got a lot of things there that we just need more people to engage with us and also to tell us honestly, are they working? How can we improve? How can we make sure our messaging and our support is is really valid um, and is informed by you know the social work and the professional background of people on the team and the sport knowledge? You know, there's there's two things there to blend and get stronger. I think. Yeah, it is that blending, isn't it, of the safeguarding knowledge with the sports knowledge as well um and a key thing that comes up as well is about the language and how do we explain concepts around safeguarding adults so that people can understand it um i think we've got better and i think we've got some good resources on our website but that would be a, a good thing to do um going forward as well wouldn't it um and it struck me as you were saying that actually about people um, joining. It goes back to what you were saying about your brother and you wanting him to have a voice. And we want that for participants and for athletes, don't we, in sport and activity? Yeah, we do. And and I've always, as I say, I've always had a strong interest in um, equality, diversity and inclusion. Mm. And having worked in governing bodies, you might get a query about, um, I don't know, somebody who's a wheelchair user and how can we include them in the session? and the first bit of advice that I've always gone back to people with is just talk to them. They're an individual. You know, what that person may want uh, to be able to be actively including in a session may well be different from the other wheelchair user that happened to come the previous week. And I do think sometimes we, I don't know whether we make decisions around people or we just don't think, actually, let's ask that individual what are they actually looking for. And also be honest about what you can you, what you can achieve in your sports club as well. You know, what, what's their reason for being there um, and how can you help meet that need? And I think that goes for coaching. I think that goes for chairs of clubs. I think that goes for anyone that's volunteering or even a member of a club. You know, we're, we, when we join a club, we're all there for different reasons, aren't they? We, it might be for fun. It might be to get in the, the club mm -hmm. team. It might be to really progress and get to elite level. But let's be honest about that. I think we need to be honest, have honest dialogue ourselves I suppose, as the administrators of sport, but also get clubs to be honest about that as well. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? And the, having conversations, because that's the key part of safeguarding. If we have to have conversations with people, we have to be able to say to people, are you OK? Do you need some help with this? I've noticed this. Um, and like you say, it should be threaded through all aspects of a club or a group or whatever activity. Um, yeah, the voice of the person. 
And I think one of the things that people think of with safeguarding and that we have um, is people say, you know, well, I've got the policy and procedure in place, Nicola, that's all I need to do. Um, how do you think we should be tackling that in ACT? So moving on, you know, people have got, I think, policy and adults policy and procedure. What else do they need to do? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd go back to obviously the voice of the participant and actually getting, you know, seeking feedback from consumers, customers. Yeah. Um, it's very easy in safeguarding for it to be a tick box exercise, isn't it? And I, I also think related to that actually is safeguarding training, which always comes up as a, a thorny issue where people will say, you know, they they don't have enough time to complete in-person training. So they want to do a quick flick through on online training. And, you know, if you're just tick, ticking a box or answering a statement on online training, is that going to give you enough? And I think it's good for general awareness and to start the dialogue, but ultimately to put policies and procedures in practice. You need to actually see these things working, don't you? You need to see challenges to your policies and you need to see dialogue around procedures and and do they work and do they have the participants at the centre of that and I think the only way to do that is to actually run through these procedures and, and see if they are working. I mean one of the things I know comes up a lot in safeguarding is and you hear it from some organisations they say there's no, not a problem here with safeguarding because <laughs> there's nobody reports anything and really you know you and I know that's a red flag because if nobody's reporting anything that doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Um, so, you know, again, are, are your policy and procedures operating in practice if nobody's actually reporting any concerns to you? Yeah, because actually people would say, it's like, oh, it's great. I've had no no concerns. And actually you would say that's a red flag. We actually need to have some concerns pass through to us because then, you know, it's going through, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's really um, spot on, I think. Um well, it's been lovely talking to you, Emma. Um, is there anything else you want to add about being part of the team? <laughs> well, I mean, what a fantastic group of people that I'm working with. Oh, that obviously. is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, you know, I've always been impressed by the, you know, the professionalism of the Ancraft Trust. When when I first became aware of the charity, which was a number of years ago, it was because of, you know, known through social care. And I always feel an immense sense of pride now. And that was before I joined Ancraft Trust, when I'd see um, safeguarding tutors referring to Ancraft Trust resources. So I think we, we're really important in the safeguarding um, environment. I think it's going to become even more important now because of, you know, current news situations and, and how we're learning more about athletes. And it's just great to be a part of that, if a little daunting, you know, because that I feel like we don't know how far this can can go. And I know we like to provide the answers as well, don't we, Nicola? All the team members, we like to think we've got the answers. Um, but I'm sure they're out there if we, we work in partnership with the sports organisations. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust.